You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, H-A-W-G-sports.com. Well, Arkansas with a disappointing loss, not a loss that I thought they were going to have against the Texas A&M Aggies, 34-22. I thought it was going to be more of a heartbreaking type of loss like it's been so many times, but I lost nonetheless. We're going to talk to Andrew Ellis, get his thoughts on the game. We're going to talk to Danny West, get a little bit of recruiting update. We're also going to look back at this game what we saw after watching the video, and look ahead, of course, to Ole Miss on Saturday. All that and more on today's episode of Hogsport Live. There are so many ways to watch and listen to this show, guys. I mean, we're everywhere. You can always follow us on Facebook Live, where we stream the show live. Be sure to follow the page if you haven't done so already. Also available on YouTube. If you haven't taken a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel, love to have that. Up to 72% now. 72% of the people that watch the Walk and Talk on Saturday aren't even subscribed to the channel. So subscribe, hit the notifications bell so you're alerted anytime we upload new videos, and throw us a like or a thumbs up on both of those platforms. Also available on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't taken a moment to throw us a five-star review on there, uh, we would love that to have that from you as well as Spotify and anywhere else you can think of to find podcasts. We are there. Hog Sports is just $1 right now for your first month at HAWGsports.com. I don't want to get you guys looking too far ahead to basketball just yet. I know football season has been disappointing to this point. There still is a lot of football to go. And, uh, man, if you were on the site this week, this past week, uh, you saw a lot of great coverage from uh, Grant Baker, our new guy, Curtis, Curtis Wilkerson, and Andrew Ellis. Those guys just really hit it out of the park this weekend with the basketball coverage. We'll be at the red-white game on Saturday. That's at 6.30 in Barnhill Arena. Not Saturday, Wednesday. On Wednesday um, in Barnhill Arena at 6.30. So we'll be there for that. That'll be exciting. We'll have the whole team there. A lot of great coverage coming to you on Wednesday. Where to start? Kickoff time announced for Arkansas and Alabama. Let's do some housekeeping stuff first. This is an 11 o'clock game, big surprise. Uh, it's either going to be on ESPN. Uh, excuse me, it will be on ESPN. It will be on ESPN, the SEC announced on Monday. So uh, that's in 12 days. I still haven't seen them exercise the six-day option yet. So we'll see what happens with, uh, with Mississippi State. But CBS, twice a year, they get to do a six-day option where they, instead of doing it 12 days out, they do it six days out and – you know, that can depend on a lot of other games that are going on that week. So, 11 o'clock Saturday from Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Injury report, actually some good news on John Morgan. That was a scary deal. You see that a lot, very precautionary. Pittman said he kind of got, you know, taken up under the jaw there. Um, maybe got his neck rattled a little bit. But it sounds like he's got a test today, but it sounds like everything's 
going to be okay with him, and he may even be able to play on Saturday. So that's really good news considering how that situation looked for John. Um, Dwight McLaughlin kind of indicated that he might be ready Saturday. I think that's probably a long – now, I've seen it. Last year, I believe there was a Texas A&M player who had concussion-like symptoms the week before, and he played against Arkansas. So it's happened before. But usually you don't see it happen. It just depends on how well they progress. It looked like he might have taken a knee to the head in the game on Saturday. Uh, Obviously, Luke has devastating news there. Clavicle broken. He's out. I mean, it's pretty much out for the season. They haven't said that, but – and I I don't know how long – these these young guys heal faster, but that sounds like a pretty devastating – long-term, season-ending type of injury. It's unfortunate because he had become Arkansas's biggest weapon on offense, and, uh, man, without him, tight end is pretty bleak. They can't block at tight end. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to all of my thoughts from rewatching the game and more here in a little bit. just want to go over some of these things first with you guys. Okay. So, there were some guys – I mean, you're going to get banged up after a game like that, no question. But it sounds – Obviously positive on John Morgan. Very disappointing on uh, on Lucas that he's lost for the season. So, as I mentioned, the basketball games at 6.30 p.m. You've got UT, Tyler, in an exhibition game on October 20th. That's a Friday. Purdue in a charity expedition, exhibition on Saturday, October 28th. And Monday, November 6th, Alcorn State. And the basketball season officially starts. So, one reason October is the greatest month of the year is because, you know, you – you have conference football, and that can be depressing with Arkansas, I know, but maybe it's your high school team or some other team you've got. But conference conference plays in full swing in football. Basketball's just starting to get amped up, and looks like Arkansas is going to have a really good team, obviously, as we come to expect under Eric Musselman. But what else do we love about October? The leaves are starting to change. The weather's starting to get a little cooler, but not too cold. It's still daylight savings time, so it's not just dark at 5 o'clock. Soups, chilies, root vegetables, pumpkin, squash, Marzen beer, Oktoberfest. A lot of great things. My birthday, my mom's birthday, my dad's birthday, all in October. And let's wrap the whole thing up. Let's put a bow on it, on the whole thing, and kick off the holiday season with Halloween. It's a great month. October is, and especially in Arkansas with the weather the way it is, been my favorite month for a long time about 45 going on 46 years i'll tell you who my favorite internet service provider is that's our friends over at ozarks go you know that already 479-684-4900 you can reach them at ozarksgo.net slash hog call or check them out on the internet if you don't have ozarks go <laughs> maybe maybe it's maybe it's choppy for you but you can reach them at ozarksgo.net slash hog they are a local company so when you call them you're going to talk to somebody local, somebody who's familiar with this area, who knows the region that you're in and all that kind of stuff. That's one of the benefits of going with a local company. And nothing to sacrifice. I've had these guys for over two and a half years now, and my internet has been fantastic the entire time. I've never had to unplug and replug my router. I never had, why is this not working? None of that. I've just experienced 100% uptime. The only time I didn't is when they sent me several messages. Hey, we just want to make sure you know we're going to be you're going to have an outage for about an hour at midnight. And that's the only time. So 
trade Biddy stamp of approval for our friends over at Ozarks Go. I use their multi-gig, which is 2,500 megabits per second. It's lightning quick. Everything just goes, goes, goes. I've used gigabit, which is 1,000 megabits per second, which is going to work for most people. They offer several different tiers. They're not going to jack your rates up. They have recently expanded uh, service to Benton County, currently around Cave Springs, Lowell, getting a foothold into Rogers. So go check them out, our friends at Ozarks Go. Okay, this game, by the way, is coming up. Uh, Ole Miss is favored, just looking at the Bet Saracen app, Ole Miss is favored by plus 10.5. Excuse me, not plus 10.5, minus 10.5. Ole Miss is favored by minus 10.5. Arkansas is plus 10.5, obviously. Arkansas is plus 325 on the money line if you're feeling good about the Hogs, and 63.5 is the over-under. This is a game last year Arkansas won 42-27. It was a lot later in the year, obviously. Ole Miss was ranked 14th in the country when Arkansas played them. At one point, like – by I mean one point, I mean like at the very end of the third quarter, start of the fourth quarter, at the very end of the third quarter – before an Ole Miss touchdown, Arkansas was up 42-12 to on Ole Miss in this game. 42-12. to Obviously, we know it was a shootout the year before that. Came down to uh, a play at the goal line, uh, a two-point play. So, All right. Met with Sam Pittman a, l- a little bit ago for his regular Monday press conference. I asked him the first question out of the press conference. I'm going to play that video for you instead of talking about some of the shakeup that they're going to have on the offensive line, some of the things that I would suggested also, you know, back in the spring and in fall camp, like Brady Latham to left tackle possibly uh, or right tackle, either one of them. Um, you know, maybe Bo Lemmers, maybe that's not the best fit for him at center. Maybe Patrick Kudis would be a better fit at center since probably not ready for these guys on the edge. I'm going to let him talk to you about it. And we know Dominic Johnson a couple years ago worked some tight end. All right, let's go to Sam Pittman. It's about three and a half minutes. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I don't know if I have much different questions than I did on Saturday, but um, going back and looking at it, it looks like you guys really had some trouble blocking offensive line, tight end, running back. How do you, how do you get around that? Well, I think, I think um, we're going to – uh, look at some different scenarios up front, see if we can't, um, you know, sometimes, you know, there's a difference in panic and a difference in uh, really, really reviewing what we're trying to do and who's trying to do it. Um, so uh, we may shake up the offensive line a little bit. And, uh, you know, you have to practice it, so you have to see if what you think might work works in practice um i think that would be one one way uh we got to make some guys miss at running back um uh, our quarterback has to play uh consistent uh, and we've got to be able to get open if you look at it i think offensively i think a lot of it's been maybe tagged uh, on the offensive line and there's certainly problems there but um 
there's a lot of areas that we can get better at. And, uh, uh, you know, we're going to open completely up our tight end situation and see, see who, who can play in there because obviously we've been a little bit of musical chairs there as well with, uh, with the exception of Luke. Um, but uh, we've got to do a better job coaching. Um, we have to do a better job with the details. You know, that we found a positive in the penalties. You know, we cut that down, which I think hurt us and and with some results of winning and losing. Um, so that was one positive. Um, but uh, we all have to play better and we have to uh, get some explosive plays. You know, obviously we were unfortunate. We could have tied the game up, you know, there – uh, we just those plays we need, and uh, um, I think our team. Uh, I'll, I'll have a better feel of them this afternoon. But I've talked to a lot of the kids today, and and uh, you know Trey, we went, we lost three in a row two years ago, and bounced back pretty good, and and uh, I think we will again. Uh, but I don't know that we can continue to do the same things and say, well, we're just going to get better at them. I think, I think we've got to shuffle up, uh, shuffle some things up to uh, maybe ignite a spark into us a little bit. Because I do think we've got good players, uh, and we just got to play better and coach better. Just on those points, I mean, we Dominic Johnson's worked a little tight end. I don't know if that's maybe something you mean, but – we know Kudus has played some center. Yeah. Lemmer can play guard. Latham can play tackle. Are those some of the things that you're talking about? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think you hit most of them. Um, uh, exactly what we're doing. You know, I think lost in this a little bit. Uh, you know, I've been uh, fairly pleased with our defense, you know. Um, uh, you know, three turnovers, things of that nature. So, um, uh, but uh, offensive, I think you hit on some of the moves that, we're going to look at. All right. So I've gone back and looked at the game, obviously. Arkansas coach Sam Pittman there. Gone back and looked at the game, obviously, and had a lot of the same stuff that I, I thought I saw live. You know, I'm watching the game there in Arlington from the press box. The delay on my, you know, playing it on my computer gives me a, an opportunity really to kind of watch the play right after it happens. Uh, so, which is good. But just my, my final takes. First of all, this season isn't going the way that I predicted it was going to go, okay? They are at least one loss off, maybe two. You know, depends on how Ole Miss goes. But I picked them to win eight games. Why did I pick them to win eight games? The same thing that I still feel about this overall roster. I still feel everywhere but the offensive line anyway, and tied in now with Luke Haz out, linebacker possibly two in terms of having the top-end talent of a Drew Sanders but I still feel like this roster is overall deep and overall talented and the most in the Sam Pittman era, the most in those categories, aside from offensive line. The mistake that I made with the offensive line in my projection, and again, we were not able to watch scrimmages, and that's, you know, there's a lot of new faces on the offensive line. Um, but assuming that Sam Pittman, who is widely regarded as the best offensive line coach in the country before he came to Arkansas, would have the offensive line settled in year four. That's the mistake that I made, making that assumption. And you know what they say about assumptions. And here I am, <laughs> looking like an ass. So that, to me, is probably the biggest mistake I made about this team. 
I don't feel bad about the defense right now. Now, they're going to be tested against Ole Miss Saturday. They'll be tested. But I don't feel bad about the defense. You go back and look at what the defense – look at the points they gave up. I mean, there's 34 points surrendered. How many of that's truly on the defense's shoulders here? Um, I would say 13 of those points are squarely on the defense. Now, could be up to 19 points if they had made those two field goals that they missed. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice that, sure. But you look at some of the other stuff. Um, Arkansas was stopped on fourth down at their own 39-yard line. Can you put that on the defense? They gave up a pick six. Can't put that on the defense. Special teams gave up a punt return for a touchdown. Um, and additionally, the offense just couldn't get anything really going in the game. And that's also going to impact the defense when you keep having to put them out there over and over again. They're going three and out. Keep putting your defense out there. Now, nobody should be doing backflips about giving up 414 yards, but that's not the end of the world. That's not, that's not fantastic, but it's not horrendous. It's not egregious, okay? Yes, defense is not perfect, but they're better than they were last year. Secondary is better than it was last year. Defensive line is damn sure better than it was last year. And, um, you know, the linebackers may not be as good. But it's not like Jaheim Thomas and Pooh Paul are bad options at linebacker. You know, it's not like that either. So, to me, the offense is obviously a major problem with this team. Um, defense is going to get a bigger challenge against Ole Miss, so don't come back at me and say, hey, I thought you said all this. Now, I want to bring this up, too, because I had a little firestorm on Sunday. I'm watching the game, sitting in my chair watching the game, and it's that it's after Arkansas's fourth down, which I want to say this, too, first. I've been saying all year, have I not? Have I not been saying all year, punt the damn ball. When you're in your own end, punt it. If it's fourth and one, you should know you suck at fourth down and one. You suck at the goal line. Stop trying to do it. Stop trying to say, I'm going to decide who wins and loses this game right here in this moment. This is it, right before halftime. We're going to have a big momentum swing one way or the other right here. Why do it? It's a 10, what is it, 10-6 game at that point? 10-6. Why do it there? And if you are going to do it, I'm 100%. Yeah, let's get him lined up under center. Let's do the tush push. Everybody's seen tons of videos on social media of the tush push this week, this weekend. Why not do that? Yes, if you're going to do it, let's do that. I don't have a lot of confidence in this offensive line getting a push, though. Okay? Punt the ball away. Punt the ball away. Live to fight another day. Don't decide the game right here, right before halftime. It didn't work against Kent State. It didn't work against BYU. And it's damn sure not going to work against Texas A&M. That's my thoughts on it. So while I'm watching that, after this point, they get down to a third and five situation. And I'm watching Texas A&M. They've got the right side of the line overloaded. There's nobody else. There's no wide receiver out here. It's just center, offensive lineman, offensive lineman, offensive lineman, and I believe the tight end right here. All right, so the guy who's technically in the tackle spot gives a little flinch, and the tight end flinches. Okay, the head linesman's right there. He's looking down the line. This is what he's looking for, encroachment and offsides, okay? Uh, encroachment and false starts. That's what he's keyed on at this point. And he sees it. And so all I did was point this out, okay? And I made it clear. I'm not saying that officiating caused Arkansas to lose this game at all. I made it in the first line, made a big point about it. And Twitter only gives you so many characters. But I wanted to make sure people didn't think I was saying, like, this is a reason. Look, look at this. Look at this is why. I mean, it's a little piddly five-yard penalty. It's not, it might have changed the outcome right there. It wasn't going to change the outcome of the game. Arkansas was going to lose this game no matter what. It's not to say that Texas A&M didn't get uh, PI calls that, you know, weren't called 
against Arkansas. It's not to say that they didn't miss a targeting, which I think they did. It's not to say there weren't holds that were missed. I mean, zero penalties is absolutely ridiculous. But people have issues with reading comprehension. They don't read the first line of text, what I write. And, well, why don't you point out all this? Why don't you point this out? Look at this guy crying about Arkansas getting that. I mean, like, that's not what I'm talking about. Disregard the teams involved, okay? Disregard the outcome of the game. This is an example of not a missed call, not a missed call, a seen call that was decided not to throw. Because you can see the guy jump, and then you can look at the headlinesman, and he goes, like he instinctively reaches for a flag, but he doesn't throw it. And that's my question. He sees this. We know he sees it. This isn't a missed call where the ref's blind or something. This is a guy who sees a penalty and chooses not to throw his flag. And I just want to know why. I don't think that's good for Arkansas. I don't think it's good for the SEC. I don't think it's good for Texas A&M. I don't think it's good for any of these guys who bust their ass all year. Millions of dollars are on the line. And why, why is this guy, he sees it. In my opinion, he sees it. He may have some other explanation. But to me, the guy flinches. He gestures towards his flag and then kind of shakes it off. I'm not going to throw it. You can look it up on Twitter, but it got like probably up to 500,000 engagements so far and probably up to about 200,000 views, which I did not expect. But uh, Texas A&M fans really were coming after me about it. But Texas A&M, congratulations. You guys won the game. You deserve to win. You're probably going to have a pretty good season based on what I saw. And you got screwed on some calls also. I'm not ta- I wasn't talking about that. I didn't mean to, like, implement the game in this. I'm just talking about this play, okay? And that's it. So that's my piece on that. So I'm going to leave it at that. I tried to reply to everybody who doesn't have good reading comprehension skills. Literally said, I'm not suggesting officiating cause Arkansas to lose to Texas A&M at all, first line. Why are you saying this? You're indicating that uh, this was a problem the whole game. Ridiculous. Anyway, just a microcosm there of the whole game. What's the state of this program right now? Well, they've got some issues on the offensive line. <laughs> Big surprise. Uh, Bo Lemmer graded out at 44.6 on 30 pass blocking plays. Patrick Kudis was 24.8 on 30 pass blocking plays. 24.8. That's just not going to get it done. Arkansas's tackles are completely folding. Uh, they're just just not ready. They're just not ready for these type of edge rushers that they're seeing in this conference. Um, the running backs are struggling blocking. You know, DeBinion hasn't been good in pass pro either. Uh, Rocket Sanders let a guy go right past him. I, I give Rocket plenty of leeway. And it's not like Rocket Sanders just sucks all of a sudden. The guy ran for 1,400 yards, his first team All-SEC running back. Now he's terrible. The guy was just coming back from a pretty serious injury. Give him, give him a little break here. But I will say the tight ends on this roster, you know, now you don't have Luke has, the tight ends on this roster can't block. They just can't. You've got guys out there just because they can block and they're not good catchers and they can't block. Okay? It makes all the sense in the world at this point to move Dominic Johnson, not just to tight end, but let him play both. Let him work at both spots. And – you know, it comes down to play calling. Like, first of all, you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to do anything. Sam Pittman's right. You're not going to be able to do anything offensively. I don't care what the play calls are from Dan Enos. If you can't block, if you can't protect the quarterback, if you can't run block, nobody's going to look good if you can't block. And Arkansas's line can't block, the tight ends can't block, and the running backs can't block. It's a trifecta of missed blocks. Wide receivers probably okay, I guess, but that's a problem. 
we don't know if Dan Enos is a good play caller or not. I do know one thing. Your tight ends aren't very good. Why are we running two tight sets all the time? Why are we doing that? These guys can't catch. They can't block. Why are they out there? I know it's a lack of options and stuff. I don't think it's a problem with the wide receivers getting open either. I think it's a problem with not having enough time. And I hear stuff, you know, I heard like Matt Stinchcomb saying, well, he's got time here. Well, can you see that he's getting grabbed? Like, how are you going to react when you're getting grabbed? That's not having time. He doesn't have any time to throw. K.J. Jefferson does not suddenly suck, okay? It's not because he sucks. The guy's a preseason All-SEC quarterback. He scored more touchdowns than any player in Razorback history. It's not time to see who else can get in there and do something. Okay? It's not. Everything is – I almost said a word. Everything is screwed up because they can't block. Defense, no, I'm not saying this is a world-beating defense. But this defense, if you put this defense with the last three offenses that they've had, most, most Hog fans would be satisfied. Most Hog fans would be satisfied with the record this team would produce. But the offense is just screwed. And I don't know if there's an answer for him. Yes, move Dominic Johnson to tight end. I don't know if, like, these moves that they're talking about making, you don't make these moves midseason and just like, boom, answers. That's not what's – but it's going to be a better option, I think, than what they've got going right now. Latham to tackle, Kudas to center, Lemmer to guard. And Lemmer's out of position, I think. He's not snapping the ball very well. They're high, they're low. Your first read as a quarterback can't be, am I going to get the snap? It can't be that. It's got to be like the conflict defender. You know, it, it can't be, am I going to get the snap? Blocking, it all comes down to protection. It all comes down to protection. Run blocking isn't great. It's way better than pass blocking is right now. I've also heard some narratives that Arkansas, this is what Arkansas is capable of, like recruiting offensive line. You don't have to go out and get these fantastic first-round draft picks on the offensive line. It's great to have them, yeah, but you can go out and get you a Denver Kirkland, a Sebastian Tertola, a Dan Skipper, a Frank Ragnow, and a Mitch Smothers. You know why I know they can do that? Because Sam Pittman did that. Mitch Smothers, I believe, was recruiting from the previous staff. But all those other guys are Sam Pittmans. And Smothers wasn't an NFL guy, but you'd take him right now. He was a good center. You'd take him right now, and you can win ball games with him. Those other four guys all played in the NFL. Not practice squads. They played. They were either drafted or played in the NFL. All four of them. You can win with that kind of offensive line. We saw Houston Nutt. He didn't have, like, these first-round NFL draft picks after another. He had some good players. He had Sean Andrews and Jason Peters, who, by the way, wasn't drafted. He had some good players, but they still ran the hell out of the ball. And, you know, last year's offensive line, I don't remember a ton of guys going to the NFL line before that. I remember, like, uh, 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 Ricky Stromberg. Line before that, was there a bunch of NFL guys on that offensive line when they led Power 5 in rushing? You don't have to have that. You can go get guys who are quality players, who are NFL players, who aren't necessarily first-round draft picks, and you can operate your offense. But what you've got now is, like, your tackles are just getting bent and folded. You've got linemen on the ground. Like, Brady Latham has been a good player for Arkansas. I don't know if he's still hurt or not, but – I've never seen him on the ground so many times as he's been on the ground. So, 
they don't have the, I don't think they have a lot of answers right now. And I'll tell you something else I would do, like this transfer portal and NIL money, I'd spend it all on linemen. Like, you can go get good skill guys. You can go get good skill guys. Linemen, quarterbacks, defensive backs. I mean, to me, like, if you don't have an offensive line, it doesn't matter what else you got. And we all know that. It's all been very frustrating because I do think that they have a roster full of good players and good depth, except they don't have anybody that can block. Am I running late on Andrew? Sorry if I am, Andrew. I'm getting to you next. You knew it was going to be a problem right off the bat, right when you saw them collapse around KJ on that very first play and he had to fall forward for no game. You knew it at that point. Andrew's going to be mad because I'm going to take all his points, all the points he's wants to make. All right, where are we going here? Okay, I think I'm pretty close to where I want to be. We talked about the shakeup on the offensive line. Okay. Let's go to Andrew. I know you guys want to hear from Andrew Ellis. He's going to have some interesting takes. Andrew's unforgiving sometimes. For those of you who don't follow Andrew, you can follow him at Andrew Ellis 24-7 on Twitter. Does a fantastic job covering all sports for us. Andrew, how you doing, man? I'm doing tremendous, Trey. I'm currently at Baumwalker Stadium watching some uh, some fall baseball, as I yep. tend to do. And uh, I'm ready to talk some football. What's going on? What's the pitching matchups? Pitching matchups. We got freshman Gabe Gackle on the mound. It is pronounced Gackle. It is spelled G-A-E-C-K-L-E. Like I've been saying Geichel. I've uh-huh. been saying Geichel for like six months, and then I was corrected the other day. It is Gackle. Um, going up against another freshman lefty, Hunter Dietz, who has been making a bunch of headlines, getting a ton of buzz from a bunch of national outlets. Um, he is not giving up a hit yet as a Razorback in fall practice, so I'm really looking forward to see what he's got going on today. All right, Andrew. Well, that's a lot of fun. Of course, we got basketball on Wednesday, so mixing in some other sports, and we kind of need it because football has not been uh, what it should be. I would say that's a that's a fair assessment, and man, I mean, you know, every other game this year, you could kind of start talking yourself one way or the other. When you, even the BYU game, you're like, well, you know, it was a, it was a weird, you know, BYU, maybe they're just really good. Who knows? You know, what, it, what what's the situation there? Made, it seemed like there was a step in the right direction against LSU. Yeah. It seemed like there was something you could build on. And then whatever that was, it went the opposite way. And I think this is the worst performance of the year, all things considered. Um, yeah. I mean, the offensive line is what it is. I don't even think we need to remind folks how bad it's been to this point. The only thing is, I think if people are, you know, everyone seems to be pleased with what the defense was was doing yesterday or Saturday. I'm, I'm seeing it a little different. I feel like te- good teams move the ball against Arkansas at will unless they do something stupid like a penalty or an interception or just fumbling or, like, whatever. I mean, what has it been, like three punts in two weeks or something like that? So, like, I'm not really seeing a ton of, you know, tangible skills to build on for this team. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think this is a talented team, and I think it's a team that – we liked a lot of the pieces in fall camp. You know, every now and then I'm watching these games, I'm still seeing stuff that I like. But I just, I, I, it just seems like they can't string together good performances two weeks in a row in any facet of the game. You know, I just feel like it's a team that's grossly underachieving. And I think Saturday was the worst performance. And that's kind of all I have to say about it at that point. I don't think we need to spend too much ta- time talking about the game itself. I think it's all about the big picture and kind of what happens next. And I think that's 
probably the more compelling thing to talk about at this point. Yeah. All right, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> you know, um, I, I don't, I don't totally disagree, I guess, with the defense. I, I agree and disagree, I think, with you on the defense. I, I feel like, you know, I can attribute like 13 points the defense gave up, but who knows what would have happened if things had gone differently. And you also have to consider defense gave them, you know, 10 points just by, you know, making making plays on defense. Really forced two turnovers. One was kind of given to them on a bad uh, quarterback handoff. Um, but I don't know. I think – and I, I think they'll probably get worked a little bit against Ole Miss on Saturday in Oxford. I think that's probably going to happen. But – I don't think the defense is – I think the defense is better than they were last year. And I think if you took this defense and put them on any of the offenses the last three years, then I think most fans would be satisfied, um, you know, with the – not satisfied, but accepting of the of the results. I think it, it could be an eight-win team if you put this defense on, you know, any of the last three offenses. What do you think of that? I think I do agree with that. I think that's something I can get behind. And I think that, you know, the, the defense at least to be seems to be showing some – some fight and some adjustments here and there. Like I thought they were a lot better in the second half than they were in the first half, which yeah. tells me that they can, at the very least they can communicate with each other and figure things out and fix issues that arise. And I think that, you know, just that, that coaching staff has a lot more youth and vibrant energy to where it's like, I can talk myself into that a little bit. I do. I think you brought up a good part of the old Miss game where it's like, whatever optimism you have, Let's, uh, let's let it rest for about seven days here right. until they face this old Miss offense. But I do think there's at least something there to build on, especially with the way they were playing the second half. But I just uh, – I guess I'm just – and I, I do think that if, if you take this defense that Arkansas has now with the last few years, I definitely think it's uh, that's an eight or nine win team right there. And I think that's part of why we projected this team to win eight games this year is because we were kind of given the offense the benefit of the doubt that it – turns out to not have deserved there. Yeah. I think my, my concern of the defense comes from the defensive line because that's a group that, you know, if there's one thing the fans can accurately get on us for, for hyping up, it's, it's the defensive line. Because that was one group that I was super impressed with every time I looked at them in fall camp. Every time we talked to a coach, I believed them more and more when they were talking about how disruptive this group was going to be. And it's just, it just hasn't really been there. And there's been little moments here and there. And mm -hmm. they haven't been horrible against the run, but it does seem like the defensive line is just – hasn't been the group of game changers I was expecting it to be, if I'm being honest. Yeah, maybe a maybe a bit of you – know, I think that relative to maybe any defensive line I can think of recently, I think this is a better defensive line they've had. Now, by SEC standards, is it a great defensive line? No. By Arkansas standards, maybe. Maybe it is compared to what you've seen in the past with most of them. But I think there's probably a little bit of a balance with, yeah, the defensive line is all right, the offensive line – is way worse, and these are the two <laughs> units that are going against each other that you would base, you know, those types of opinions on. A hundred percent, and I think that's you know we, we quickly learned in the off season because you know that's the, that's the beauty of fall camp is like oh this group looks awesome, and you start doing the mm -hmm. math, and you're like well so that means their opponent is not doing well, like is the defense struggling? I think that we've gotten our definitive answer on that front in terms of I think the offensive line is just way worse than any of us had really imagined it would be. And uh, Trey, I'm, 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 this is a perfect segue here. Okay. I've, uh, I've seen there's been some criticism of us people saying that we hype this team up too much and all that, and we told we told everyone this team is going to be good, and now they're mad at us. So I decided to fact check it, and I wanted to bring some evidence to the table. If you bear with me here for a second. Yes, let's do Our it. report evidence. This comes from August 28th in a practice report written by yours truly. I said, and I quote: "The vibes around the offensive line could not have been worse while we were out there." There was not a ton of energy, no players talking to each other between reps. One player even talked back to the coaching staff, saying, we've done this a thousand times already when asked to repeat a drill. 
I even left out some of the expletives in that statement because he did have some expletives there. But I remember saying that leading up to the Western Carolina game, I was like, hey, there's something you know, a little weird with this group. And look, I project them to win eight games. I'm not trying to act like I didn't. But I think that the idea that like people weren't concerned about this offensive line preseason is just not true. I think that's something we talked about yes, all offseason. And when this was presented to fans, I got a ton of pushback. I read the comments from this exact story. And all the comments are, well, you know, there's just too much buy-in on this team. They'll get it fixed out. Pittman's not going to let this offensive line be bad, blah, 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 blah. People pushing back against me in the preseason when I shared some concerns with the offensive line. And to be honest with you, I was giving that group a little bit of a benefit of the doubt because mm-hmm. of the Pittman factor. Right. And so that's why I think that, you know, when Andrew Hutchison asked in a press conference today, like, Pittman, what's your hands-on approach with this group? I think it's a very valid question because that's kind of what we, how we all view it in our minds is like, okay, if the group struggles, like, you know, eventually something's going to change here. And I think that this is the week that we're finally starting to hear some moving around and shuffling, you know, positions and stuff like that. And so maybe now we'll start seeing the changes, but I'm just kind of surprised as, as to how like it caught everyone off guard that this offensive line is bad because we've been talking about this all offseason. That was kind of the big question mark. And it's a question mark that is, uh, you know, still there. Absolutely. Good points, Andrew Ellis. Again, follow Andrew at Andrew Ellis 24-7 on Twitter. And if you're wondering why you might not have heard that, because uh, I'm assuming that's a VIP article, Andrew. Yeah, yes, that is a VIP article. Yeah. That's, that's the, the premium stuff that we give That's out. the premium stuff. And if you want to sign up at Hog Sports, you can do so at hawgsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, and it is just $1 right now for your first month. Blowout coverage, Andrew, from basketball. You guys did a fantastic job. You, Curtis, and, and Grant, our new guy. Uh, just tell us a little bit of what, about what you saw at basketball. Well, I'll tell you, you know, last year we got to see at least two practices, and it might have even been three leading up to the season, and one of those was before they went to Europe, so it's still a little early in the process. But last year when you were there at practice, you could tell that it was a young team. It seemed like every four minutes they were stopping play and they were bringing everyone in and kind of explaining something again for probably the 10th time. And It seemed like their practice flow, they had to take some time to get that groove with such a young group. It was not the case with this practice. I mean, you could tell that this was a veteran group full of adults like Tremont Mark, Debo, and Khalif Battle, and like all these different guys who have kind of been there, done that before. And it's, you could tell it was an older group that had some more confidence. And, uh, you know, it's always tough to tell for sure. We were in there for about 45 minutes, so it's not like we were there for ever. We didn't get to see everything. But we could. I, I like the vibes I, I saw with this team and just kind of seeing them interact. It seems like there's a lot of productive things going on it. You know, just the athleticism and the talent is certainly there. I mean, uh, the freshman Bay Fall impressed me way more than I thought he was going to impress me. I really, like, when I'm thinking about this team and how this rotation is going to line up, I'll be honest, I haven't really had him penciled in it, you know, for significant minutes. And who knows if that's what's going to end up happening. You know, he's still going to have to compete with some guys like Jalen Graham and Makai Mitchell and some older veterans in the room in that big man rotation. But I really like what he was – what what the, the – the, force he was presenting there on the defensive end and i just i just really like this group i think there's a ton more shooting than there's been in years past which yeah it's hard not to be better than arkansas was the last two years Mm -hmm. from the three-point range but it seems like it's a group that's really going to have some potential as a long-range shooting team and really just driving and kicking and being able to knock down those open threes is going to be such a weapon because we really haven't seen a ton of that kind of stuff going on 
for the Arkansas team the last couple of years. You know what I, I love about Muss is it's not like, you know, he, he brings these new guys in to run his system. He's going to run his system with, the you know, these guys are going to fit in. It's like I'm going to bring in an entirely different team and we're going to do something totally different this year. And it's been that way every single year. I just – I don't know how many different ways he can do it. But this team – I mean, last year's team couldn't shoot. Was last year's team that they ended the three-point streak or was the team before that? I want to say it was the team before that. Team before but last that. year's team was but, as they were just as bad yeah. three points statistically over the course. Yeah, of the season. well, yeah. And they didn't have a note, but uh, you know, who would just shoot <laughs> shoot a million uh-huh. of them. But uh, this year's team, I mean, they're they're going to make a lot of three pointers. I think it's going to be a really fun, uh, really fun team to watch. Absolutely, and you know, I think that's a great point on just how Musselman adapts to whatever his situation is. And as we've seen in the last few years. It might not be right out the gate. You know, there might be some times where it's a little weird and we might have to, you know, it seems like every year there's a basketball game where we all leave it and we're like, oh, wow, this this team actually isn't going to figure it out. Like, what's going to happen? And then, mm-hmm. of course, March rolls around and they're rolling. But, uh, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I think this team, they're actually set up. They should have a better start than they've had the last couple of years just because of that experience they have with some of these older guys. But I really like what I was seeing with that group. And, man, I wish we could see more practice out of that because I, I really enjoyed just – being able to sit in and just watch Eric Musselman work and do his stuff there. Yeah, it was really, really fun to see. Yeah, well, the uh, the red-white showcase should be fun. All right, Andrew, anything else to add before we cut you loose? Uh, I think I'm all good. I think I, I, think I got all my uh, denting off my chest. I'm, I'm all good now. <laughs> uh, I feel good about it, too. All right, Andrew, appreciate you, brother. All right, you have a good one, Trey. All right, everybody, that's Andrew Ellis. Again, you can follow Andrew at Andrew Ellis 24-7. Does a great job for us over at hogsports.com. Let's see. We're going straight to Danny West now. Let's see. Let's look at – let's actually – let's actually look at – right before we go to Danny, let's look at Ole Miss football schedule here. 73-7 opening up against Mercer. It's a lot of points. 37-20 against number 22 Tulane in New Orleans. 48-23 against Georgia Tech. And then – couldn't, just couldn't get any offense going against Alabama, 24-10. Of course, that's we understand that. Uh, and then last Saturday, this past Saturday, just uh, a shootout against LSU, 55-49. And then, of course, Arkansas. It's a stripe. Stripe the Vought, so they're going to be in stripes. It's a 6.30 p.m. game in Oxford uh, on the SEC Network. That's what's coming up. Jackson Dart is 91 of 142 passing for 1,485 yards at 64.1%, 11 touchdowns and two interceptions. And if you thought they had a good backup last week in Max Johnson, don't forget Spencer Sanders is also there, who's former starter at Oklahoma State, who they could use right now. He's their backup. And they also have Walker Howard, who's probably the future of the program. Quinshawn Judkins, we, of course, remember him. 90 carries for 378 yards, 4.2 yards per carry, five touchdowns. Not having quite the season that he had last year. Jackson Dart's also a very capable runner with 269 yards, has a long of 68 yards, has four rushing touchdowns also. Jordan Watkins with 29 catches for 450 yards. Dayton, Dayton Wade has 23 for 367 as the top two receivers. So Lane Kiffin has Ole Miss rolling pretty good right now. All right. We'll hop over to Danny West. Don't know if there's just a ton of recruiting stuff. It's not really as big a recruiting month, especially when you don't have any home games because you can't host recruits. So we're on this four-game road stretch. Danny, how you doing, man? Hey, buddy. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, you got any thoughts on this game that just played out Saturday? We yeah, just had whole, Andrew on. a bunch of them. Yeah, let's you hear a few. This, 
you want to take it off the air? <laughs> <laughs> I've already yeah, done that do. with you. <laughs> yeah, that was that was fun. But I do have a lot of thoughts on it, Trey. I think if anybody's in the stars don't matter crowd, they're probably they probably ought to just quit watching because I think Saturday was a perfect illustration of why stars do matter because one team had nine, count them nine, former top 100 national recruits on the defensive line alone, alone. And the other team had zero five stars on its offensive line. So you tell me which team got manhandled. I think stars do matter. And, uh, you know, what's worse, I guess, looking back on it in hindsight, coming out of spring, Trey, I think we all felt pretty good. Uh, what they did in the portal at the time, I remember saying, man, I wish they'd have gotten one more safety. You know, we, yeah. I think you agreed with me. Yeah. Wish they'd have gotten one more safety when really, I guess we should have been saying, boy, they needed about three or four more mm -hmm. offensive linemen. And I'm not, you know. They've got enough people on Twitter getting after them and making fun of them. I'm not going to do all that. It is what it is. Everybody can see it's a problem. So I just think uh, think there's a huge talent gap, and Arkansas's best talent is way too inexperienced, not ready for it yet. But we've seen, Danny, we've seen them, you know? you know. We've seen, you know, Houston Nutt offensive lines, Bielema offensive lines. Mm -hmm. And, and Bielema offensive lines, they were actually pretty well-regarded recruits. But we've seen – them bring in guys and develop them and not Program, just get yes. folded like these guys are getting. I mean, they're getting yeah. they're, they're getting pushed back so quick, it's not even funny. Uh, yeah. the, the development's not – I mean, like – and it's, it's not just Patrick Kudus' fault. Like, he's not ready. He's not ready uh, for these edge guys. And Kudus no, was a four-star recruit. You know, and Shambly's not ready for these guys. Where is the guys that have been developed in the program that are ready to go? on the offensive yeah. line. That's that to me is a problem because you can develop an offensive lineman and it's, it, yeah, it's great to have a first round draft pick as I was saying at the top of the show, but we've seen like quality offensive lines at Arkansas where, you know, guys went on to the NFL, maybe not first round picks, but where Arkansas has had good enough mm -hmm. offensive line to lead power five in rushing, you know, um, Mike, Mike Marcuson used to have them top three every year in the league yeah. offensive line wise. I mean, with a bunch of, Dan Doty's, um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, all the names way back. Um, but, yeah, I'm sitting here, you know, this morning looking at a, a list of names that I compiled, and I'm not out to get anybody. You know how I feel about Cody Kennedy. I love the guy. I think he's a great guy. If anybody spent five minutes with him, they'd probably take it a little easier on him because he really is a good dude in my book. So I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm right. not out to get well, anybody. We know that's not good enough also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I'm looking at a list this morning of guys that made um, at least one, but in, in many cases, multiple visits over the last three years, offensive line targets. And uh, not all of them are five stars. You know, I, mm -hmm. I totally agree with you on what you're saying. You can get some really good three stars. I'm, I think Robert Scott from Conway, who picked Florida State, kid just wanted to go out of state. Yeah. I think he was only a three star, but you look at him now, I'm reading stuff about his draft stock and wouldn't that be nice to have? Yeah. I mean, Robert Scott, we'll start there real quick just because I took the time to make the list. But Roderick Jones, and I want to say this first, Trey, in a lot of these cases, it's not about missing the guy. It's about what do you get after you missed on him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the gap sometimes, the fall off there, the drop off in between your top target and the guy you kind of had to settle on, if we want to use that word, has been, you know, at times – pretty drastic so robert scott's one from right there in the state went to florida state 
Roderick Jones, uh, five-star from Georgia, went to Georgia. First-rounder, 14th to Pittsburgh. Emory Jones, top 100 kid from Louisiana. I guess where he went? LSU. Yep. Elijah Pritchett. I've got several here. Just give me a minute. Elijah Pritchett, <laughs> top 50 kid out of Georgia. He went to Alabama, no surprise. Charles Jagusa, top 50 national kid from Illinois. He went to Notre Dame. Bo Hewley, top 100 from Georgia, went to Georgia. Roderick Kearney visited, I think a couple of times, maybe 150 kid from Florida, went to Florida. Miles McVeigh from St. Louis, went to Alabama. Connor Stroh, three-star, only three-star. He yeah. kind of falls in line with, you know, some of the three-stars we're talking him. about there. Mm-hmm. Uh, big kid from Texas, went to Texas. Bryce Lovett, three-star from Florida, went to Florida. Madden Sanker, here's one that kind of bothers you a little bit. Four-star from Georgia, went to freaking Louisville. What? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I mean, we saw a kid a couple of weeks ago, Kingsley. I can't pronounce his last name even after all these years. But five-star from Utah. Uh, you know, I think they felt really good about him. But it was during COVID and tough to travel and all that. So, he signed with Oregon, went back home to Utah, and, uh, and plays for BYU and came up here in Beach a couple weeks ago. So um, made the Final Four for guys like Terrence Ferguson, a five-star from Georgia who went to Bama. That's almost 15 guys, and now you look at the current class, kind of the same deal. You know, Fletcher, uh, Westfall, of course, kid from Virginia. He's going to Florida after visiting four, five, six times here. And then Shaq McCroy, I'll finish there, Trey, but um, obviously – Big-time kid out of Alabama. He's going to Oregon. So, you know, again, I'm not picking on anybody or trying to get somebody fired. I'm just pointing at the, the many misses. I think on Saturday you really, really missed them. I mean, because one team clearly had them. Mm-hmm. Clearly. I don't know how in the heck they lost to Miami and, and gave up 48 points. I know some of that was special teams. I think they had three turnovers. I understand how it happened, but, boy, they ought to be ashamed yeah. <laughs> of losing that game. With that talent, that was – Hey, hats off to him. I offended the 12th man crowd last week. I'm not taking it back. It's still confusing to me. But, man, they ought to be able to win some games down there with that crew. That is insane talent. I was thoroughly impressed and, and very frustrated watching it. Yeah, I hear you. Danny West joining us. So you can follow Danny at Danny West 24-7. He's the Hog Sports recruiting analyst, which is just $1 right now for your first month at HAWGsports.com. Danny, is there any recruiting news that um, you need to <laughs> share with us sense. right now? Better, yeah. yeah <laughs> That's current. <laughs> I think they had a pretty good turnout at the game Saturday, um, mm-hmm. if that's positive news. A lot of commi- committed guys, Akari Johnson, uh, I want to say C.J. Brown made the trip. Tay Lockett, the 2026 commitment out of California, uh, brought a, a heavily recruited buddy uh, in the same class, 2026 receiver Madden Williams, both of those guys from Bellflower, California, attending St. John Bosco. Um uh, several kids there. I want to say Zay Gentry is a 2025 defensive back. He's visited a couple of times, I think. Uh, DJ Duggar, a running back out of Leander, Texas, a uh, four-star kid. So, you know, quite a few of those guys, but it's just it's tough to keep hitting them up after three straight losses. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I kind of take a step back every now and then and let the kids breathe because – Puts them in a bad spot, too, especially the committed guys. You keep hitting them up and saying, all right, what's your thoughts on this latest loss? You know, I'm mm-hmm. not going to do that to a kid. But, um, hey, at least they, they got free tickets and, and got to see a game. 
All right, Danny. <laughs> there, there's your recruiting report. Yeah, it's it's crazy, just kind of folks. a weird, you know, it's 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 weird month for recruiting, just because it well, is. past month just because you know the lack of home games and you know all those things. That's it's gotten it so um, it's gotten so seasonal now, dude. I mean, the first half of the year, really January through June, and I'm not making an excuse here, but January through June is by far the busiest um, stretch. You know, the first half of the year because coach Pittman does seem to load up on so many commitments early as Mm -hmm. early as possible and get through the season. I think he enjoys focusing only on the season. I think here in the next couple of weeks, you're going to start seeing coaches hit the road evaluation period. They're always a little bit later uh, to start with some of that. I do think they sent a few coaches out around the Dallas area last Friday night, but we haven't just seen them hit the road yet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's still coming. So we've got that to look forward to, and, uh, you know, outside of that, got some home games coming up, should be well attended. But then, man, it's all about the transfer portal, and it'll be here before you know it. So yep. it, while it seems slow for me, I, I tell myself every day, hey, just just enjoy it while you can because mm-hmm. it's coming. That 45-day stretch is going to kill you again. So, yep. Well, um, Danny, that's why we pay you the medium bucks. <laughs> that's right. I do appreciate <laughs> it to get on here and make people mad once a week. I, yeah. It's not a bad gig. It's, <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> All right, brother. We'll talk yeah, man. To you. I wish I had more hope for you, man. It's just uh, everybody knows where it's at right now. I'm, uh, I think Saturday has potential. Mm-hmm. Um I'll just leave it there, Trey. It's been a rough week. All right, brother. We'll (laughs) let you go. All right, everybody, that's Danny West. Um, You can tell where Danny's mind is right now and his heart as well. Uh, If you want to follow Danny, you can follow him at Danny West 24-7 Sports. And why wouldn't you if you want the best in Razorback recruiting coverage? Even though it's been a little quiet right now, you know it's going to pick up, especially when that portal gets here. All right, so – I don't know. Facebook has changed things on me, so I can't see every comment. But I'm going to try to get through some of these comments. But before I do that, I would love for you guys to, if you're if you're interested, if you're not satisfied with your internet service, or you think you can do better, then you need, or you're moving or something, you're moving to the area, then you need to check out our friends over at Ozarks Go. You can reach them at OzarksGo.net/hog and find out if they're available in your area. Think Northwest Arkansas. Think like north of the tunnel. Uh, Missouri, Oklahoma, into Rogers now, uh, and several other areas. If you get Ozarks Electric, you probably are going to be able to get Ozarks Go. I've told you guys my experience. Had two nice gentlemen come in two and a half years ago, set it up, in and out, and then uh, a few months ago uh, upgraded to multi-gig, which is 2,500 megabits per second, and it's it zooms. Even stuff like I've got my like hot points and stuff like – they're graded to do a thousand megabits per second, but it makes them work on just a different level, like primes them completely out. Um, got my TVs hardwired and stuff straight in, and I mean it just zips. And it's a great service, great company. Really uh, enjoy having them as our title sponsor the past couple of years. Go check them out at OzarksGo.net/hog. H-A-W-G. Going to want to add the slash hog so they know you came from here. And you can reach them at four seven nine six eight four forty nine hundred. Ozarks go if you need quality internet, reliable internet. You don't want to have a fight with your wife and your kids. Dad, why is my internet working? I don't know. Honey, the TV's not working. I don't know. I'm unplugging and replugging it. None of that. Not my experience anyway. No fighting at the Biddy household. Will Bonham says, hey, Trey, who was your favorite all-time Arkansas football coach? 
I've got a great story about this one. Okay. And I, I, some of you have probably heard it before. So my wife, love her. She, she doesn't know everything about Razorback football. She loves watching the games and all that stuff. Right. So she's telling me about um, this lady named Cindy Spencer and um, how nice her husband is. And he plays with our daughter at the tailgate and all this stuff. He is so nice, all this stuff. I'm like, okay. Tells me again later. You know, she hung out with him at something something or other. He's so nice. He, you know, playing with Annabelle, throwing catch, all this kind of stuff. And uh, I'm like, who is it? She's like, his, his name's Ken. I'm like, Ken Spencer? No, no, it's uh, Cindy Spencer. Her last name's uh, Hatfield now. I said, Ken Hatfield? You've been playing and hanging out with Ken Hatfield this whole time? <laughs> I think, like, she told me like this three or four different times about hanging out with Cindy Spencer's husband. Cindy Spencer's husband? Like, probably the only person – Cindy Spencer's great – Probably the only person who refers to Ken Hatfield as Cindy Spencer's husband. So Ken Hatfield's up there. Houston Nut has a special place in my heart. I hate the way it ended, and that definitely sours things. But um, when I was a student, I was a junior in 1998 at the University of Arkansas. Had gone through two years up there uh, under Danny Ford, and, and the impact that Houston Nut made in 1998, I'll never forget it. Same kind of impact Sam Pittman made when he first got here. I felt like in a lot of ways Sam Pittman was the right guy at that time. Now – We've all come into a point, and there, there are questions out there. Is he the right guy for the future? Is he going to be able to take him to that next level? And doesn't look great right now, obviously. Um, but that holds a special place in my heart, too. I love winning 10 and 11 games, Bobby Petrino. Love winning 10 and 11 games. Hate the way that ended. I think it really torpedoed Arkansas in a lot of ways. It wasn't the only reason that Arkansas football experienced the worst nine years in the history of the program, the worst two years, the worst one year, the worst five years, however you want to chop that up. All of those things in that nine-year span are true. Those are some of them, I guess. That's some of the guys I would name. I mean, I know it's not just one. It's a very coach answer. So who's standing out today? Everybody's standing out. All right, Josh G says, being a Hog fan is like dating a hot chick that occasionally cheats on you but swears up and down she's going to change. George O'Neill says, we suck. I appreciate you saying that, George, because you said we. And it's a tendency of a lot of fans to say they suck. We won and they suck. But George O'Neill understands that we suck. Good on you. B. Beerman says, no bowl this year, 4-8. and Eurocheck will give Sam the ultimatum to make staff changes. If we're not bowling next season, he will be fired. If um, get to the end of the season and, you know, things continue the way they are and there's not staff changes, I mean, there's going to be. Like, there'll be staff changes. There's been staff changes every year. But Mark Pope says, look at this stat. Where do we rank on yards given up per pass attempt? Where's the stat? Scott Alexander says, easy to understand why the D front looked disruptive in camp. We were going up against this OL. Yeah, and, I, you know, Andrew does a great job. I don't 100% agree with him on the defense. I think the defensive line is pretty solid. I don't think maybe they're not, you know, beating everybody, but they're also not getting pushed around. Defense to me wasn't a problem on Saturday. It wasn't, like, the solution. Like, but I feel like they played well enough for Arkansas to win with a competent offense. Kingsley says, Andrew, receipts else. Yep, he kept those receipts. Andrew does a great job for us. For anybody, If you're not following Andrew, 
dude's only got like three thousand Twitter followers somehow, and he's only he's been with us for a couple of years. But I mean, you see what a great job he does on this show. Check out his stuff on Twitter. We're gonna do a lot more with Andrew coming up here. He's gonna have a bigger role with us, expanded role, I should say. His role's already big, but we're gonna flip it around a little bit, do some different things. Joshua James Barton says, with KJ being an RPO QB, are we are we seeing that affect him, you know, his pro style system, pro style offense? I, first of all, blocking. <laughs> I mean, it keep coming back to blocking. But, yeah, probably wasn't the best time to go from a hurry-up spread offense to a pro style. You know, probably wasn't the best time for KJ. Landon Montgomery says, Eno's offense does not win. Lane New says it's both on top of House of Cards for an O-line. Landon Montgomery says, tired of saying every year. Is it b-ball season yet? Yeah. Jerome McCollum. And, I'll, again, I'll say this, guys. Like, what's going on right now sucks. It sucks. Because, again, they've got a pretty decent roster. It's just they don't have anybody to block for them. And that sucks. Uh, I, it's not lost on me, though, where this program was. And I've, I've said many times, 2018, 2019 is not the standard for which you base Arkansas football. Okay, that's just where Arkansas was. Pittman pulled him out of that, and I appreciate that from him. I think he was the right fit at the right time. And I've also heard people say, when they hired Sam Pittman, I was against it. I didn't like that hire. Nobody wanted the job, guys. Like, I did the coaching search. We followed it. And I'm telling you, people were saying I wouldn't touch this job with a 10-foot pole. Like, coaches were saying that. They could not get somebody to take the job. And when the Lane Kiffin stuff fell through – and they interviewed Prime. They interviewed Deion Sanders. This is before Deion Sanders had even coached at Jackson State. And I reported that they'd interviewed Deion Sanders, and people were laughing at me. I, I, I put Mike Elko on our coaching search hot board, and people were like, are you an idiot? And look what he's doing at Duke now. But, guys, like, I know it's, like, not enough to say, like, well, he wanted the job. Like, that's the requirement. Yeah, he wanted the job. Okay, great. Give it to him. That's not the requirement, but I'm telling you, it fell to Sam Pittman. Arkansas ended up hiring an offensive line coach because nobody wanted the job. They could not – nobody – everybody thought that it was an Arkansas problem and not just a problem with the coaches that they'd hired in the past. And that's the truth. That is the truth. And you're, it's just because, you you know, people want to fire Pittman doesn't mean that they're just going to go out and get the next superstar at coach. And traditionally, they haven't done that. Jerome said, Jerome McCollum said, Trey, it's sad we couldn't celebrate the staggering records KJ broke last week due to the fact that we aren't winning games. Yeah. Kingsley says, KJ has been an RPO system. It doesn't make him just an RPO QB. It makes time to adjust, but we can't really evaluate him behind the O-line as it is. I agree. Patrick Webb says, why are we running the same five guys out there on the offensive line each week? Well, they're about to change that, but I, I agree. And I wrote about that before the press conference today. Like, maybe some guys need to be moved around on the offensive line. But, guys, if you're moving people around on the offensive line in the middle of the season, that's not like, oh, this is the solution. It may make things better, but it's not a good sign, obviously. And it doesn't mean there's just going to be answers. But, yeah, why not – I mean, I'm sure they have their reasons for Takias Crawford. I just I have a hard time seeing Takias just getting folded. My opinion. 
Patrick Webb says, then why is Dan calling these long developing plays when KJ won't have time to read the defense? It's another good question, Patrick. Uh, I think more quick game, but at the same time, is KJ a quick game type of quarterback? His best throw is the deep ball. It always has been. It always has been. Just seems like everything's just kind of button heads. Taryn Henry says, been a talent gap since McFadden days, Danny. Tommy Atkins says, I think, I mean, even McFadden days, like McFadden didn't have like this all-world offensive line in front of him. Like name the guys on the offensive line. I mean, I have to go back and look at some of them, but Felton on that offensive line. But anyway, it wasn't like this was an all-world offensive line in front of Darren McFadden and Felix Jones. But they developed them. They figured out, you know, you don't have to – it's great to have these first-round NFL draft picks, of course, but you can develop guys on the offensive line if you get the right guys who are tough. And I don't know what's – this just hadn't happened for them. Tommy Atkins says, I think I heard that we were going to do that this week. Yes, Cheryl DeClerc says, NIL is where they are getting paid. Gary Davis says, Trey, you know the goings-on with the football program are ridiculous and you've expressed it, so what else can be said about it? About Pittman has failed in offensive line recruiting and failed to use the transfer portal and clearly failed development in the O-line. It's ridiculous. They um, they probably should have done some more work in the transfer portal on the offensive line. John Smith says, great show. Appreciate it. Wish it was a little more positive. Lane New says, in-state talent has dropped. John Smith didn't say it. He wishes it was more talented or more positive. I said that. Taryn Henry says, blame Pittman, Danny. Thomas Clifton Elliott says, need better wide receivers. I don't think – I think their wide receivers as a group are better overall top to bottom. Now, Matt Landers is pretty good. Uh, Hazelwood I thought was a bit of a disappointment last year for him. But I think their wide receivers are actually better than what they were last year top to bottom. I do. I don't think they're necessarily worse. I just I, – I, I think they don't have any time to throw. Like, I've, I brought up – I bring up the Justin Fields thing every time when he's at Ohio State. And Justin Fields hasn't turned out to be that great a quarterback in the NFL. But he's at Ohio State, and they're going, look how poised look – at, look at his poise in his pocket going through his first read, his second, third, fourth, fifth, all the way through his progression. And I'm just sitting there, 1,007, 1,008, 1,009. Of course he looks poised. Of course – He's getting all the protection in the world up front. James Kurtz's excitement begins with coaching search start when the coaching search starts. Gerald Clark says, can't get them here playing like we are. James Kirk says offensive line whipped by BYU and Liberty last year. It's not all about recruiting. Yeah, Liberty. I mean, that was the first that was the first thing that, you know, when you lose to a team like Liberty, you lose part of your fan base that you'll never get back when you when you when that happens it's just true it's just a fact of of things BYU you know people talk about Arkansas has the 13th highest uh, talent composite on 24-7 sports in the SEC Uh, now that doesn't really take into effect something that I think is important and that's the transfer portal world where you've got veteran proven guys who may not have been super highly regarded but have proven you know proven who they are like an Isaac Tesla uh, who I think is better than what he's showing by the way uh, but BYU, BYU was 76 nationally in talent composite, 76, and Arkansas was way higher. Michael Ashcraft says, Sam, it says if you can't recruit, you got to go. Well, according to Danny, our, <laughs> our recruiting on the O-line is lacking. 
Thomas Clifton Elliott says Pittman isn't tough, too nice, soft. I don't know about that. Need a real coach with previous experience. Pittman is not a head coach, head coach material. I think it's also an interesting time when like you have to I don't know I want to say coddle, but like in a lot of ways, like you've got to make sure everybody feels like they're part of the team and they've got a chance and, and all that kind of stuff because they'll just hit the portal on you. And I think he's dealing with some of that and the balance and question like how do how do you deal with that? Certainly, probably not the job he signed up for, and not any of these coaches did. King, we got to get some regulation in that department, also. However, NIL transfer portal is a good thing for Arkansas football when you consider the talent base they have to recruit from. Kingsley says, Trey, there are a lot of questions about this football team, but one thing that is certain a lot of these fans have never been on a football field and have no idea what they're talking about. That's, that's probably true. Doesn't mean they don't get to have an opinion as fans. Garrett Barnes says we should keep Pittman for another year at least. He represents our values well and loves kids. He's got to make the right hire at OC, though, lean into the portal for O-line experience. Yeah, I mean, and you you, you just got to win. It's just it's not enough to uh, – I mean, like, you take football out of this, everybody loves Sam Pittman. They just do, okay? You may have soured on him because he's not winning, so, but you take that out of the equation and you're just hanging out talking with Sam Pittman, you're going to like the guy. You just are. People do. That's why he was such a great recruiter for years. Cole Trim says, I hate the boys have to see all this bad vibes from Twitter and fans recruiting. The boys put their foots in the ground this weekend, turned around, love Sam, hate the situation he's in. Brandon Morgan Fletcher says, did Kiffin really go get a kicker from the frat house last year during the season? I can't remember. That sounds familiar. Kingsley says about the time frame, but I can't agree with the rest of it. Danny is crazy if he thinks the game's going to be well attended when we're 2-7 and seven and we're going to lose recruits. Says Taryn Henry. Dustin Everhart says, how do we know he didn't? With the O-line we have, I can't tell, but I responded to somebody. I'm not sure what you're responding to. Doesn't show me all that. Um <sighs> Thomas Clifton Elliott says we need a coach like Lou Holtz. That kind of tough, strong personality. Thomas Clifton Elliott said I had a problem getting out of that lisp <laughs> when I went on to the next question. Thomas Clifton Elliott says we don't have money to pay anyone to get an elite coach, toilet bowl, okay, independence bowl if we're lucky. Yeah, they've got money if it's the right guys there. James Engel says it doesn't seem that KJ has lost interest and it seems to be going through. Let's see what we can get to. Any questions? Just because you have the authority to change the play. Sometimes, yes, he does. Sam paid and stopped carrying. I don't know if that's true. I think he misjudged what he has on the offensive line. Okay. How long are we going? An hour eight. Is this a record? I think it's a record for longest show ever, and there's a million replies that I'm not going to be able to get to because we got practice and everything. All right, everybody, thanks for joining me. I want to thank Andrew Ellis for his takes and Danny West for his takes and recruiting information as well. And go to hogsports.com. Andrew's going to have plenty from this baseball scrimmage, and we'll have – I mean, they've been cranking out the basketball coverage, and we're going to have a lot more on Wednesday. So go check us out at hogsports.com, H-A-W-G-sports.com, if you want to read the inside scoop with Razorback Athletics. And you're tired of reading just the the free stuff that's out there that just gets regurgitated by everybody if you want to get some insight on what's going on with the program and football, basketball, baseball, recruiting as well. Go to H-A-W-G-sports.com. Try us out for a dollar right now. All right. Thanks to our friends at Ozarks Go.
Thanks to all of you for asking your questions, and thank you to our many subscribers at hogsports.com. Thank you for making us one of the largest sites in the entire country here at Arkansas. It's something that I'm very proud of being an Arkansas company, and we really appreciate all of you. All right, everybody, thanks for joining me. This has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, and we'll catch you next time. We'll be right back.